Goobagoo elevates your customer experience with our premium chat and digital retailing tools. Modernize your dealership's car buying process at goobagoo.com, where excellence meets automotive retail. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year automotive news digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash Daily Drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Thursday, January 25th, 2024, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Tesla's net profits slip almost 40%. Audi workers go on strike in Mexico, and the UAW gives its endorsement to President Biden's re-election campaign. Donald Trump is a scab! Plus, GM and Honda's hydrogen joint venture reaches production. It's something that kind of builds on a collaboration that both General Motors and Honda started really about a decade ago. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Tesla's next growth wave won't come until at least late 2025, when the automaker plans to launch a low-cost vehicle on a next-generation platform. That's according to CEO Elon Musk, who says production of the affordable EV will start at the company's factory in Texas and later move to a future plant in Mexico. Musk said on the company's fourth quarter earnings call Wednesday that Tesla is currently between two major phases of growth. We're very far along on a next generation low cost vehicle. Very excited about this. And this is really going to be profound, uh, not just in its design of, of the vehicle itself, but in the design of the manufacturing system. This is a revolutionary manufacturing system, far more advanced than any other automotive manufacturing system in the world. Musk hedged his bets on the timing of the launch, saying his late 2025 timeline was optimistic. This after a Reuters report this week about suppliers being told that production will begin in mid-2025. In its fourth quarter earnings report, Tesla warned of lower sales growth this year after slashing prices over the course of 2023, cutting the automaker's profitability. Tesla said net income slipped 39% to $2.5 billion, while total revenue inched 3% higher to $25 billion. Gross margin shrank from a year earlier with the price cuts. Operating income fell 47% to $2.1 billion. After withholding its presidential endorsement for months, the UAW has made its choice. We need to know who's going to sit in the most powerful seat in the world and help us win as a united working class. So if our endorsements must be earned, Joe Biden has earned it. UAW President Sean Fain made the announcement at the Union's Community Action Program Conference in Washington, D.C., shortly before introducing President Biden to speak to members in attendance. The days of working people being dealt out of the deal are over in this country as long as I'm president. Working people are going to get their fair share. You've earned it. You fought for it. And you deserve it. The UAW's endorsement is a boost for the Democratic incumbent, who styles himself as the most pro-union president in history as he tries to maintain support of working-class voters. 
While the UAW has traditionally endorsed Democrats, Fain had created some mystery to the union's decision. He said repeatedly that endorsements must be earned, not freely given. He has said the union would back politicians who demonstrated support for its priorities. Meanwhile, unionized workers at the Audi plant in the central Mexican state of Puebla are on strike over wages. That's while the union representatives continue negotiations in Mexico City. The workers went on strike mid-morning Wednesday after rejecting the German automaker's proposal of a 6.5% salary increase for this year's contract. The workers' union, Seat Audi, which represents more than 4,000 workers, had requested a 15.5% increase, including benefits. Inflation in Mexico was four and two-thirds percent at the end of 2023. Farther south, General Motors is set to invest more than $1.4 billion in Brazil from this year through 2028 in a bid to boost, quote, sustainable mobility. The sum will fund a complete renewal of the automaker's vehicle portfolio in Latin America's largest economy. It will also help develop technologies and create new businesses. The automaker did not provide a forecast for when it will start producing electric or hybrid vehicles in the country. GM said that this decision will depend on the evolution of the local market. And remember the Apple car? The long-delayed project is switching to a less advanced design and facing more delays. Bloomberg News reports that the company now plans to release the electric vehicle, nicknamed the Titan, in 2028. It's switching to a so-called Level 2 Plus automated driving system. Apple's original goal was to produce a Level 5 or Level 4 autonomous vehicle. Level 5 AVs have the highest level of automation and can function on any street in any condition without a driver present. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, it's official. The UAW has endorsed President Joe Biden for the upcoming election. What does this support do for the president and how does this affect Republican candidate Donald Trump? The UAW is not as big as it once was, but it's still important. It's important for Biden and his narrative of his presidency being out there as a president for the the working man and for unions, very pro-union campaign. It's also important to Trump. You know, you look back at 2016 when he had his surprising Electoral College win over Hillary Clinton. You know, he won Michigan. He won Ohio. Pennsylvania, also, you know, Wisconsin and Indiana. So a lot of these, you know, you can call them Rust Belt states or it used to be the blue wall. A lot of these, you know, union states where Democrats traditionally have won and Trump got those states. So, you know, he really appealed to a lot of, you know, high school educated, middle aged uh, working men and women and uh, really resonated with them. Perhaps this uh, endorsement from the UAW gives Biden a boost and can be a swing in, in those key states. Interesting. Coming up, we'll dig into news that GM and Honda's joint venture fuel cell business is ready to start production. That's next on Daily Drive. Daily Drive is kicking off the new year by reviving an old name in a new format. We're bringing back a weekend drive edition of Daily Drive. Jamie and I will go deeper into the biggest automotive stories of the week. Every weekend, you'll hear fresh insights, analysis, and what has me running hot, if not overheated. To think that's going to get done in a year, a little over a year, is um, foolishly optimistic. That's a little dark, but let's shift to something (laughs) a little more positive. 
You'll also hear from our experts in the newsroom here at Automotive News about the latest industry trends and topics. EV sales are not declining. That's the narrative we're kind of seeing outside of the industry. They aren't declining, but the pace of growth definitely has slowed. Come back this weekend for our Weekend Drive edition of Daily Drive. And of course, tune in every weekday for all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. We know 95% of customers complete at least a portion of their vehicle buying journey online, so they expect the deal they create on your website to match exactly what they see in your showroom. If it doesn't, you can lose that customer's trust, risking not only that deal, but also any future opportunities. That's where Goobagoo's virtual retailing steps in. We transform the conventional car buying process into a modern, transparent, and seamless experience. With Goobagoo, you'll be able to access information the customer entered online, such as their favorite vehicles, in-progress deals, and any pending orders when they enter your dealership. And our industry-leading F&I process averages nearly three times greater revenue per deal, thanks to our smart menus and bundles. Did we mention that virtual retailing is fully integrated with our premium chat solution? Real-time messaging and live support from our team of specialists brings the engagement of your showroom directly to your website. Don't let disconnected experiences drive customers away. Try virtual retailing by Goobagoo, where seamless meets success. Discover the difference and see why over 8,000 dealers and 20 OEMs trust us at goobagoo.com. That's G-U-B-A-G-O-O.com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. General Motors and Honda have taken a substantial step toward getting hydrogen power into wider commercial use. The automakers are starting production of hydrogen fuel cell systems co-developed by a joint venture. They are producing fuel cells and modules at a 70,000-square-foot plant about 20 miles south of Detroit. The launch, announced today, builds on a collaboration that began in 2013, which later led to an $85 million investment to create fuel cell system manufacturing. That's the name of the joint venture. Automotive News General Motors reporter Lindsey Van Hulley and tech and innovation team leader Pete Bigelow wrote about it for us on autonews.com. I spoke with both of them about what this means for the companies and for wider adoption of hydrogen. Welcome back to Daily Drive, both of you. Uh, you reported today on a new fuel cell manufacturing operation that recently got started. What's going on? Yeah, they started production of hydrogen fuel cell systems at a plant about 20 miles south of Detroit in Michigan. Basically, that that is a joint venture. It's something that kind of builds on a collaboration that both General Motors and Honda started really about a decade ago and, you know, later turned into an investment, you know, $85 million to create what they're calling fuel cell system manufacturing. It's a joint venture plant that Together, they can can produce hydrogen fuel cells that will then go into their individual you know, business cases and applications. So they've started production, um, but this is not like um, you know, running an engine plant with a thousand employees or anything. No, no, it's still very small. I think they, they've talked about you know, the, the, the expectation that it'll create 80 jobs. There's still going to be, I think, a, a ramp up period, of course. But, you know, right now it's it's still a very small, you know, just beginning operation. 
So uh, where are these fuel cells going to go? What kinds of vehicles or other uses are planned for uh, the output of this joint venture? You know, the products that come out of the plant are going to, to go to GM and to Honda. And, you know, both automakers have, you know, different business cases and different plans for how they would want to use them. You know, GM has talked about really seeing hydrogen as a as sort of a, a replacement or, or an application that could be ideal for heavy duty uses that require long distances, quick refueling, you know, things that are that are kind of traditionally powered by diesel. And so what they've done is they've had a number of partnerships recently uh, announced with different companies that are working on things like cement mixers and mining vehicles, really hoping to begin production and testing of some of these vehicles, you know, mid-decade yet. Honda has talked about um, a little bit of both. You know, they have some hydrogen trucking testing that they're that they're planning to start, but they're also going to put a fuel cell in its CRV. Uh, they're going to start building that in Ohio starting this year. That's uh, that's funny. It reminds me of uh, didn't Hyundai do one? I think with the uh, Santa Fe. They had a fuel cell version of that. It's one of their most popular vehicles and kind of the same size. It's a really good platform for being able to use that sort of a system. Yeah, there are certainly different approaches from automakers and how and how that works. There are some, you know, like Hyundai, like Honda that uh, have talked about, you know, the possibility for passenger vehicles. You know, GM has has talked more about, you know, just that that heavy vehicle segment, that idea that a fuel cell could replace a diesel. It's quick to refuel. And, you know, it doesn't compromise payload or any of the kinds of customer needs that they're going to have. Pete, this startup production follows a slew of hydrogen-related announcements this month at CES. Is there a growing sense that this technology that's like always been a decade or more away is actually closer than that to making a difference in the auto industry? Yeah, you know, it's kind of fascinating, Jamie. I think even as late as 18 months ago, it still seemed like it was that that exact scenario you laid out, that this is always the thing that's around the corner and we never quite get to it. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking at CES the two weeks ago, the big surprise was hydrogen was like a standout uh, at, at the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, Hyundai kind of laid out this long-term blueprint for hydrogen production, storage, use in vehicles, trucks, cars, everything. So, and that was followed by the likes of Bosch, Forvia, Nikola, everybody at CES was talking about hydrogen. And that does kind of fit with a, a larger ramp up we've seen in the last 18 months. Yeah. And Packard too, they were showing their uh, hydrogen powered fuel cell truck, which is going to get its fuel cells from Toyota. So it's definitely ties into the, you know, existing global automotive competition. Yeah, Packard, of course, and I'm sorry I forgot them, but that perfectly ties in with the idea that we're going to see hydrogen fuel cells and or hydrogen combustion engines in long haul trucking applications in particular, a lot of those heavy duty construction applications as well. Uh, but well, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, the idea of hydrogen fuel cells in light duty passenger vehicles is something that's you know, has been tried. And, you know, I, I think Toyota has sold maybe a few thousand Mirai uh, over a decade, at least here in the United States. And it's kind of like, on one hand, this idea that has not worked in any sort of meaningful fashion. But on the other, you see Toyota, Hyundai, Honda now, BMW, and, and maybe I'm forgetting somebody else talking about hydrogen in passenger vehicles still. So that idea is 
not a not dead and b gaining momentum, particularly as you know you see volume of fuel cells in in other areas first, maybe leading as a bridge to passenger vehicles. What's interesting too is that there's this recognition, I think, among the automakers too, that hydrogen could potentially open up other business areas for them. You know, talking about things like power generation, aerospace. Uh, GM is is talking about you know things that are outside the traditional passenger light vehicle market, the kind of bread and butter that they've been known for for a while. You know, Honda talked about we are a mobility company. We have lots of different applications and places we could take this. And that as that technology scales, does that potentially open up other areas for them, other other markets that they have not been in historically? Lindsay, it reminds me very much of one of the most underappreciated things that I think has happened maybe in the last 18 months. Was it like November of 22 that GM started its GM Energy subsidiary, and and this dovetails perfectly into the idea that automakers can can provide that stationary energy storage, and you know you start to think about how that integrates into a home for a vehicle owner, and I don't want to say the sky's the limit, but there there is like a business case there that is that is different and exactly as you laid out a new opportunity for automakers. It helps a lot that costs are starting to come down. I uh, saw that the companies reported that this JV's costs uh, will be about a third less than what Honda was using in the 2019 Clarity. Uh, so certainly economics is has been a big challenge to uh, commercializing fuel cell systems. But the other big one, of course, is production. It's such a challenging issue. And I know the, the government is doing a lot of work both on, on cost and on cleaning up the manufacturing process, distribution. What does that timeline look like? Well, Jamie, in the fall, the DOE gave out $7 billion to seven winners uh, around the United States uh, for, for different areas to build what they call regional hydrogen hubs. And it's kind of this nexus where production, storage, infrastructure, uh, and use cases all come together in certain geographic locations. And that's really just underway. The winners were announced. I think they'll spend a good bit of 2024 kind of fine-tuning their plans, starting to build. Uh, but it's really kind of leads toward the end of this decade when the DOE has a, uh, you know, I think they're calling it their energy shot, moonshot of some kind to, you know, get hydrogen up and running and also have the price come down to like a dollar per kilogram. And uh, from something, what, like five now today? Uh, that's about right. It's it's interesting. The price can vary greatly depending on geography today. But for, for transportation applications right now, uh, you know, as you know, California has the vast majority of refueling stations right now. They might have like 99 point something percent of the public stations, which which amounts to all of like 54. So that's it. To say it's embryonic was probably an understatement, but uh, I think California is probably where you find the lowest cost as a result of that today. But but yeah, I think the general idea is it's probably like four or five dollars per kilogram right now. Well, it's a long road to travel, but uh, glad we'll have uh, you two to keep covering this and uh, the technology improves and, and comes to market. Lindsay Van Holy, Pete Bigelow, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Lawrence Iliff, Aja LaForest, and George Wycamp for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on tech and innovation, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.